this is the download for the Lancy Lehman Every Thursday morning at 7.30 a.m. in the Lancy Lehman building.
Your body accustoms itself to it. And that is true of so many things in life. If we're really to grow and develop in that that particular area of life, we've always got to develop it. We've always got to take it to the next level. And I think spiritually how much more truer that can be. That we reach a certain level in God and, and then we get comfortable with that level. We get comfortable with that kind of level in God that we've reached. And we get to the point where we don't really then begin to expect anything unusual from God. We get, dare I describe it, kind of a Christian routine or a Christian rut. Do you remember the old vinyl records? Some of those vinyl records. And I remember, the, you know, you used to have your favorite song on. Oh, you just relax and listen to that song. And it gets, remember that you get stuck in the groove, remember that? And it just repeats itself. And you have to kind of bang the thing to sort of move on to the next. Remember, anybody remember that? The old vinyl sort of things. You know, and and that's like in our Christian, we get often get in a groove. We get kind of stuck in a bit of a rut and never really move beyond that. And so, if we're to really develop our Christian life, we've always got to be going forward. We've always got to be reaching to the next level. And nobody has reached the full level in God yet. Anybody? So we're always seeking to reach the next level. It's rather like the children of Israel. When they came out of, the, out of Egypt, really it should have been an 11-day journey from where they were into the promised land. Do you know how long it took them, an 11-day journey? 40 years. What was an 11-day journey took them 40 years because they were going around the same mountain, same cycle. We can often be like that in our own lives. We, we find ourselves going around the same cycle you know, I've kind of been here before for the last 25 years. and I can't move beyond that because I'm going around that same cycle, that same mountain again. And it's so easy to get stuck in these kind of situations. The reason why they were kind of stuck in that kind of condition was the Bible says that although they came out of Egypt, they never really got Egypt out of them. They still had a, a, a slave mentality. They, they still thought like they were still slaves. They still complained. They still moaned. They still lived in bondage. They still had this mentality of a slave rather than realizing they'd come into this incredible freedom that God had delivered them from. And so they found themselves constantly going around these same cycles. And the idols were still very much in their hearts that they often responded to when those difficult times come. Isn't it true sometimes? It's, it's often when things are difficult and the pressure's on that we, we find out often what's really in our hearts. Is that true? It's not when the good times. And the same Israel. Once they got the deliverance and they got brought out, the, uh, they got, when they came through the Red Sea, they were happy, they were rejoicing, they were having a great time. But the moment the pressure and difficulties come, all the, the condition, the slavery mentality in their hearts just began to rise up in them. Jesus put it this way, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You know, one thing about wineskins, wineskins have to be flexible. They have to learn to expand and develop and grow. And what Jesus was saying was that the, 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 the Pharisees of the day could not receive the new thing that God was doing because they still had an old way of thinking. 
They still had old religious ways of thinking that were preventing them from receiving the new wine, the new move that God was bringing about. I think that can be so true of our lives. That it's often the thing that can hold us back from increase and going forward and developing is the fact that we can be stuck in old ways of thinking. Old ways of thinking. And the old ways, the, the, the ways that we think can often limit God in our life. I think God has unlimited ability. I only believe that. Isn't that right? He has unlimited, unlimited ability. Our problem is our thinking hinders, holds back all that God wants to do. That's why the Bible many times tells us to, to renew the way we think. Because old ways of thinking actually hinders God. And often we don't pay much attention to the way that we think. But the Bible many times says, renew, change the way that you think. Because the way that you think will affect what God can do in your life. New wine cannot come into old ways of thinking. And so part of the challenge is that we renew our mind. Think of Philippians 4. You know what Paul says to you in Philippians 4? I'm not saying it, but what Paul says. He says, that, he says this. He says that, he says, meditate on things that are virtuous. Things that are true. How much of our time do we spend thinking on things that aren't true? <laughs> things we, we, we meditate on things that actually aren't true many times. And Paul says, meditate on things that are true. Think on things that are pure. How many times can our mind be, be affected by thinking on impure things? He says, meditate on things that are, are of good report. And yet, so often, most of our attention and focus can be on things that aren't of a good report. You know what I know the best report is? The best report you can read is the Bible. I hate some of those old reports. My dad somehow kept all my old school reports. I hate that. You know, I read those old reports and it's like, it's embarrassing, you know. John doesn't seem to give much attention to class. You know, all this kind of stuff. And it was not really, it was a school report, but it wasn't a very good report. And so we need to often, and there's so much bad reports, so much bad news all around us. And the Bible says the only way you counteract that is to meditate and think on things that are of good report. Amen. And often we, as we begin to, and I think it's a process, as we begin to change the way that we think, it affects the way we believe. Because if we think wrong, we'll believe wrong. Is that right? Often our, our unbelief is a result of, our, of the way that we think. The way that you think, the things you meditate on, the things that you put your mind on and focus on will affect your belief. So if your thinking's wrong, your believing will be wrong. If your thinking is right, so will be your believing. And so the Bible tells us, tells us Joshua says, Joshua, you're into the promised land now. Don't go back to that old mentality. Instead, meditate on my word day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Focus and meditate on that because the way you change, the way you think, it will give you the faith and the ability to come into the fullness of my promise. Can you say amen? 
Go to Hebrews 12, 1, and I'll go back to Isaiah in a moment. Since we change what goes on on the inside, we're able to change what goes on the outside. The book of Hebrews was written to, to Christians who were on the brink, if you like, of going back into the old way of religion. There's there a danger that they were going back to, the, to, to, to what they'd come out from. And so Paul, whoever, or whoever was the author of Hebrews, writes to them to encourage them to stay firm and not to go back, but to continue to move up to the next level. And there's, if you like, one example here in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, ra- let us lay aside every weight and sin, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. What's a weight? It's something that kind of pulls you down, stops you from reaching, really, the next level of life. It holds you down. And Paul says, or whoever writes the book of Hebrews, uh, Paul says, oh, I keep saying, the writer to the Hebrews says, if you're to go to the next level, then you've got to kind of throw aside the weights. You've got to cast aside those things that weigh you down those things that hold you back weights of comfort weights of discouragement weights of shame weights of people's opinion weights of insecurities weights of fears begin to lay those down because those things pull you down and stop you from reaching the next level And we need to ask ourselves, is there anything that's weighing me down? Is there anything that's that's holding me and pulling me down and stopping me from reaching the next level in God? Amen. He says, lay aside the sin, the unforgiveness, the the bitterness, the, the lust, the greed, unresolved issues in our heart that we don't deal with, that we don't confront. Those things are stopping us. Hindering us, pulling us down, stopping us from reaching the next level in God. Now, go back to Isaiah 54, because this is really one us to, to focus on in this, the time we have left with us. Isaiah, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 was, if you like, as, as Isaiah writes to the people who are, who are feeling discouraged. And we're told it's written to... A barren woman. He says, sing, O barren woman. If you like, a people that are not productive, a people who've become barren, a people who've got stuck in a, a kind of rut, if you like, and aren't moving forward, they're not bearing fruit, they're not being productive. They're discouraged, held down. And so this chapter really is, is dealing with this subject I've not been productive. I've not been fruitful. I've reached a certain level and limit. And I think sometimes in life we can go through a kind of sometimes a, a, dev- a devastating circumstance. We can go through a heartbreak. We can go through just a set of circumstances that kind of leave us feeling dry and unproductive and unfruitful. Just something kind of hit us or knocked us back and it's left us feeling barren and dry and unproductive 
to such a people, this chapter's written. And it's got some great advice of how we can just do something amazing. God's saying that he wants to do something so supernatural inside you that you begin to be productive and effective and, and fruitful again. And so this chapter is a great chapter. Tells us how to get up to the next level, how to go forward with God, how to move on God, how to step out of unproductivity and into producing an incredible productive life. And I think we go through seasons in our life that are that seemingly are unpro- unproductive, that seemingly seem barren. But here's some great advice of how we can come out of that season in life. I think sometimes we often can think God's just going to zap us somehow. But I think sometimes there's certain things that we need to do that take us to the next level. We can say amen. Here's the first thing. And really there's four words. First word we're told here in Isaiah 54. He says, enlarge. Verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. And I think that's one of the words that God wants to get us. Deep in your spirit. Enlarge. Don't shrink back. Don't draw back. But believe God to enlarge you. Begin to believe that God can really expand your life. Can really cause you to grow and deepen and go forward to the next level. Enlarge the place of your tent. Believe for enlargement. Believe no matter how much or how far you are in God, believe there's so much more than what you've got. Believe that there's so much more for you to experience, so much more for you to touch in God, so much more God wants to do, so much more God wants to fill you, so much more God wants to do with your life. It's just so much more, more, more. Amen? And so he says, believe for this enlargement. I found this often in life. If I'm sure myself, I'm sure you probably found it true, that when you lose sight of, of growth, of, of enlarging your life, the danger is we begin to get caught up with things that often are trivial. Things that often aren't really important in life. And those unimportant things, those trivial things then, begin to take our time, attention, energy, and we just get so caught up with things actually in the cold light of day, in view of eternity, tend not to meet very much. Because we've lost sight of the ability to enlarge. And it robs us of God's ability to enlarge. I think that one of the prayers I pray a lot in my life, the prayer of Jabez. How many have ever heard the prayer of Jabez? I kind of love that prayer. It's a very small prayer. And it's interesting, the word Jabez means pain. And we would like to accord your child that, Jabez, pain. I mean, that's not a particularly encouraging name to be called. Probably through some experience of his birth, he was called pain. And so he grew up with that stigma. And so really, he's only mentioned two verses in the whole Bible. But what a prayer. He says, oh, that you would bless me, which is awesome. But then he goes on to say, oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Isn't that awesome? That you would enlarge my territory. It's interesting that if you often have gone through pain or through some discouragement, the last thing you ask for is for enlargement. If you've been through a battle, if you've been through a storm, often what we really want is to feel sorry for ourselves. Ever been there? I just want to feel sorry for myself. I want to just complain about my situation. But here Jabez says, 
Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. In fact, in Isaiah 54, that word there, when it says, enlarge the place of your tent, actually, the actual translation says, build an addition to your house. In other words, there's this sense that if you have a desire for God to enlarge you, what you do is you prepare for the enlargement. Often, you first of all prepare yourself, then the enlargement comes. And we've got to begin to believe God for enlargement and prepare for that enlargement. It says, so it almost enlarge the spheres of your influence so you can make a mark for God. Everything you do and everything you're involved in, every kind of dimension of your life, take it and enlarge it. Ask God to enlarge your opportunities. In your home, say, God, would you enlarge my, my love for my wife, for my family? In my workplace, Lord, just enlarge, just help me to expand and help me in that workplace. Help me to grow and develop. In my relationships, Lord, help me to enlarge my capacity. In other words, never be satisfied where you are, so prepare, put yourself in a position for God to enlarge you. There's an amazing story in two, in two Kings, actually, I think two Kings 4, 3, where that lady, remember the saw the lady, and, and Elijah tells her, to get yourself, says, go and get all the vessels. And remember, there was this famine in the land, and she had really nothing, and he tells her to get vessels. And, and there's a key to it, he says, get yourself Many vessels, not a few vessels, but many vessels. And as she got the vessels, then oil began to fill all the vessels. The more vessels she prepared, the more oil that she received. And I think that's true of our lives. What we prepare for is what we receive. In other words, you build the addition then God will fill it. If you want enlargement in your spiritual life, spend more time with God. Develop a secret history with God. If you want to enlarge the sphere of your influence, be a, a friend to someone. If you want to en enlarge your love walk, then begin to show kindness to people. Begin to forgive quicker. Refuse to hold grudges. Begin to do various acts and steps that enlarge your love. No matter what you're doing now, take it and enlarge it. So if you want greater love, if you want to develop love for people, then begin to prepare, begin to do things that cause your love to increase. Amen? If you want to be a greater witness, and there's a good thing to do, if you really want to be a greater witness for Jesus, increasing your love, which is obvious, but take people... We mentioned there, Angie's brothers, and we pray for them regularly. But, but, but take people on that list and begin to pray for them. Day after day after day. Take those people and pray for them. Ask God for opportunities for you to speak with them and share with them. What are you doing? You're preparing for enlargement. You're preparing for God to do something in their lives. And begin 
to believe that as you begin to take these steps in all the various areas of your life and prepare for it, God will bring increase. You know, you know the interesting thing is, a star, before it explodes, often grows 100 times bigger. It enlarges 100 times bigger. Then suddenly it explodes and then becomes a black hole which is basically is a, is, is a vacuum. There's no gravity there, just a, a black hole that's created. I think in life, spiritually speaking, the moment we begin to decrease, we open holes in our life that can so easily come in. See, that's when discouragement comes in. That's when all kinds of other things can come into our life. Depression can come in. All things begin to enter in the moment we begin to pull back. The moment we, we don't adapt and change our way of thinking. Other things, because we create a vacuum. And the vacuum means that other things will come and fill it. Isn't that true of life? So unless Jesus fills it, something else will. That's just the way it happens. That's the way we're created. God said to Abraham, Abraham. And at this point, he was barren. He had not produced the son of his promise. And God said to him, Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. And he says, as the stars are in the sky, so shall your descendants be. And sometimes we need to say, God, just give me that vision. Help me to... to, to, to just show me. How, you know, as you read the word, what does it do? It, it puts vision. It, it gives you visualization into your head, into your mind of what God can do. And so we need to be constantly not allowing our dreams to die because I believe everyone God puts an amazing dream in their heart. Begin to pray in that dream. Begin to prepare for that dream to come to pass. Don't allow those dreams, those things that God's put in your heart to die. We begin to develop them. We begin to prepare for what God wants to do. Here's the next thing, very quickly. Third word is the word stretch. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. I wonder where it was then. Oh, there it is. It says, stretch out the, the curtain of your dwelling. Rubber band, for example. You know that rubber band can only fulfill its purpose... How by stretching it. Isn't that right? I, used to, I don't know if you ever did that. I, I used to, so, when people are older around, you used to pull it and whoosh, used to shoot back. We used to use this at school. Deadly weapons at school. Don't get any ideas, but those are kind of deadly weapons. And the thing about an elastic band, its purpose is it's when it's stretched. But you know what? When it's stretched, that's at its most vulnerable place when it's stretched. If I pull it too much, it's going it to... Thing, but it's his, it's, his most, it's, it's his most vulnerable position when it's stretched. And I just think often that that's where you grow more in your Christian life, is when you are stretched. Why is that? Because you're in your most vulnerable position. Because when you're comfortable and you're not being stretched, you're not vulnerable, you're not dependable. You are relying so much upon yourself and what you can and cannot do. But when you are stretched, you become more vulnerable. You become more dependable because you know unless God does it, you're in trouble. Amen? And I think that the greatest times of our life 
is when we're stretched. If we are never stretched, we'll never be productive and we'll never really bear the fruit that God requires for us. And so we need to be stretching our lives. We need to stretch ourselves in worship. Stretch yourself in your faith. Stretch yourself in your, in your commitment to God. Do something for the first time. Do something you don't feel comfortable about doing. Because if we only do what we are comfortable in doing, we never stretch ourselves. Is that right? In other words, the time where you stretch yourself is when you do something for the first time. The first time, do you remember the first time you witnessed maybe? The first time maybe you prayed for somebody who was sick? The first time you maybe used a spiritual gift in some capacity in some way? But when you did it for the first time, you felt stretched. You almost felt uncomfortable. You felt out, out, out of your comfortable zone. You felt you were... You, 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 you just stretched and you moved yourself on. That's the way you grow. Is when you're willing to step out of something you feel familiar with, something you feel comfortable with, and you're willing to go beyond that. Those are the times you're going to grow more than ever with God. Let me read this week. and It was an awesome one. Let me read Amanda's blog this week. Let me read that. That was awesome, that one. And, and I think... Towards the last part of what she said, she's in, those of you who don't know, she's in Mongolia and doing all kinds of things there. And I think, I think the last sentence is something like this. I can't remember exactly, but something like, to the girl who, who can never speak in public. Is that right, Wendy? Something like that, wasn't it? Have you got it there? I'll just read. I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm just get the... Do I need my glasses? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's she going? Where's that one going? Where's that one when she says that I was... Sorry about that. Just... Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, she says, uh, Remember the girl who hated public speaking? She shared her story, preached, given devotion, spoke to prostitutes. Wow, God is good. <laughs> That's what she was, but when she's beginning to, now she stretched herself, moved out of if you're a comfortable zone and stretched herself. If you'd have probably asked her two years ago, she would never believe she's doing that, is that right? She would never have believed it. But she's been willing to what? Stretch. And you're finding anything in your life, your Christian life, the moment you're willing to step out of what is comfortable, you'll find God begin to do amazing things in your life. Amen. That's where he is. Ever thought about this? That Peter met Jesus. Where did he meet him? Not in the boat, but out the boat. How many have found that? It's often when you get out the boat that you really meet Jesus. You tend not to meet him in the boat. It's always outside the boat. There's the next thing. He says, stretch. Look, I noticed verse 4. Let me just quickly say this. Because this is the big thing, I think, that stops us from stretching. He says, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Isn't that true? I think the thing that stops us from stretching above all else is fear. Fear of failure. Someone said that the greatest 
The greatest fear of all is the fear of failure. And often we are afraid to step out in case we fail. But the greatest failure of all is not to step out in the first place. Amen? And so part of developing is, 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 is often going beyond our fears. Stepping out beyond where, 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 we, where there's a natural fear. Stepping beyond our fears. Beginning to stretch. Refusing to stay as we are. Someone said the way you spell faith is this. R I S K. Risk. Because every time you step out, there's that sense of risk. But that's the place when you stretch that God's going to meet you. Can you say amen? Here's the first thing. He says, for you shall expand, sorry, he said, verse 2, lengthen your cords. That's the first thing. Lengthen your cords. Lengthen your cords. How many of you have sort of been camping? I, I hate it, but you've been camping. One thing that you've got to learn to do is that you can't have them too rigid. They've got to be a little bit flexible. So when the wind comes, they kind of go a little bit with, with, with the with the cords. You know, lengthen your cords means also they've got to have a, a, a flexibility of movement. See, the one thing that can often hold us and keep us in a position that's not really being fruitful or productive is that our hearts can get hard. We can get hardened. Circumstances, various things can hit our life and we don't respond well to it. And, and the thing that happens is our hearts can tend to kind of get hard. We get hurt. We get disappointed. We get discouraged. And so we can build up a kind of hard exterior over our hearts and lives. You know what I love about Christmas? By the way, not that far away now, is it? Uh, I love Brazil nuts. I, I, I really do love Brazil nuts. I, I, could have, I love Brazil nuts. And the good thing nowadays, they're always, the nuts broken off them. That's good. Remember the old times when you have to have that, remember that nut, and you used to get this crack, and you used to have to crack it. And you can never often get the Brazil nut, because it's still stuck to the shell. And it just took you absolutely ages. You wanted what was in it, but it was so awkward to actually get the thing. And the truth in life is that we can build these hard exteriors in life, these hard shells. The Bible says that, 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 that though we are earthen vessels, this, there's this treasure of Christ within us. There's this amazing treasure inside us. In other words, the treasure, the love, the peace, the joy, it's all there inside us. Sometimes we're, we're looking for something out there, but often it's all there inside us. And often it's, it's locked inside us by this hard shell. You know, they found this. They found seeds. 2,000-year-old seeds. And they found that when they plant that seed in the ground, that seed can still grow and produce life. Isn't that amazing? Because when a seed is planted in the ground, a seed has microscopic holes. And in those microscopic holes, water flows to those small holes and breaks open the shell. And sometimes God has to do various things that break open the hard shell that we build up. You know what I'm talking about? Inside. You want to reach out and love people. That's what you're feeling inside. But this hard outer shell says, don't make yourself vulnerable. Don't let them let you down. Don't, don't make yourself vulnerable. So the hard shell's there. Inside you, you just want to be maybe extravagantly worship God. 
But his hard outer shell says, no. What will people think about you? Maybe something in you says, go and reach out to that person. Go and share the love of Jesus with that person. But the hard outer shell says, what will they think about you? And so we, we build these hard outer shells. And God wants to crack open the shell so that you begin to be flexible and open. Because you never really grow as long as the hard outer shell is there. Go a little bit further down to verse 4 of this of Isaiah Because these are major things that build up these hard shells. He says, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. So there's a few things that build the shell up. Shame. That feeling we've, we've done something and really we feel the shame of that. We've never really dealt with that shame. It could be some guilt that we've never really addressed. And that guilt's there inside us. Or we feel a condemnation and it's a shell that's kind of arranged our hearts but I love what it says the answer to these things it says for you will what forget you'll forget it in other words put it behind you put the failures behind you put the shame of your past behind you get it out of the depth of your being as you begin to put it right behind you no matter what happened in your past what the failures are what the mistakes are what you feel ashamed of when you put it right in your past and you put it under the cross you put it under the blood of Jesus then you move on in life forget it put it behind you move on so that you will begin to be productive in your life it says a bit further on, it says, and you will not remember the reproach or the, the rejection of your widowhood. I found this very true. That when we don't get our rejection healed, it turns to bitterness and it turns to anger. And then we demand re- rejection from others. A rejection-based person is unable to, to receive love because they feel if they have that love they have to earn it it doesn't come by grace and it doesn't come freely so he says put behind you the reproach the rejection open your heart and receive the love unconditional love of God go down to verse 11 because there's another powerful truth so oh, you afflicted ones, tossed with tempests. In other words, up and down, all kinds of stuff going on, and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones and colorful gems. I love that. In other words, the way we deal with feelings of rejection, the way we deal with, with, our, with our sense of low self-worth, if you like, low self-esteem, is to realize something very wonderful. It says about jewellery. You know when you buy jewellery, people feel better about themselves. You see, they have jewellery. Part of the reason why people buy jewellery is because it makes them have a sense of worth. And God says, I'm going to give you this amazing sense of worth. I'm going to make you feel worth something. Because the way you see yourself often is, is manifested itself on the outside. 
And so you need to see your word to God. You need to see that God loves you. To remind yourself that you're accepted in the beloved. I'm cherished by God. I'm a precious jewel before God. And the moment you begin to realize that, it will cause your cord to lengthen. Let me close with this one. Time's gone. Let me close with this one. Last one. It says, strengthen your stakes. Some things, the bigger the cord becomes, the more important that stakes are not firm in the ground. In other words, the more the tent grows, the bigger it is, the more the pegs have to be pushed into the ground. I think in life, in our Christian lives, that we need to have certain things that are driven in the ground. Things that are convictions to us. Things that are never going to be moved, if you like, in our life. In on the radio the other day, it kind of struck me. They're talking about Maggie Thatcher. Who remembers of dear Maggie Thatcher? And what an amazing politician she was, and, and she, how she gave some of the from some of the greatest speeches that politicians give. And the man who has been interviewed, amazingly enough, said this. He says, you know what? He said, I worked with Billy Graham for 30 years. And the thing that made Billy Graham Billy Graham was he was a man who had powerful convictions. And they use that, obviously, as, a, as a, the same as Maggie Thatcher, that she was a, a conviction politician, if you like. And I thought to myself, that's what makes us powerful Christians. It's our convictions. Because there's a difference between a preference and a conviction. A preference is something that changes. A conviction is something, no matter, no matter what happens, it's never going to change. And we've got to allow ourselves to have so much, these certain stakes in the ground that nothing is going to move those stakes. No matter what hits our lives, how difficult it becomes, what storms come, those stakes are so hard in the ground, nothing's going to move them. I think it's to have a conviction above all else that you are totally and utterly loved by God. I had a great sermon, a great, it was a title, I thought it was a great title. Good things happen to those who believe they are loved by God. And it's almost that stakes in the ground. No matter what hits my life, how difficult things become, I'm not going to lose sight that I am loved by God. That's a conviction and nothing's going to move it. It's a stake in the ground, and nothing moves that stake in the ground. No matter what happens, I still believe that God loves me. Amen? I have a stake in the ground that I believe God's word. No matter how my circumstances look, no matter how, what I feel, I still believe the word of the Lord. I still believe what God says. One thing it says there to the barren woman is a conviction. It says, barren woman, sing. In other words, make praise a conviction. That you're going to praise him even when things get tough. You're going to praise him when everything around you just seems to be falling apart. It's a conviction that you're going to praise him come what may. It's a conviction that I'm going to love people no matter what. It's a conviction. I'm going to keep loving people because it's not a preference. What is it? It's a conviction. Now let me close with this. Why are those convictions important? I'll tell you why they're important. 
Because if you're growing outwardly and you're not growing inwardly, everything begins eventually to fall apart. Over the years, there's been some powerful ministries that we know, that I know personally, that have fallen. I'll tell you why they fell. Because even though they were outwardly growing, inwardly there were certain things that weren't pegged in, if you like. They pulled back on their prayer life. They pulled back on the Word of God. There were certain things in them they pulled back on. And even though outwardly everything was growing, inwardly things weren't right. So if we're to progress, that what is true of us outwardly, that's going to be even more true of, our, true of us inwardly. Because what goes inward will have to go outwards. If it doesn't, then it eventually catches up. I think it's very dangerous to be growing outwardly but not having stakes driven in your life. So those are the four things. Think about it. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, strengthen. Let me say it again. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, strengthen. I'd encourage you to read that whole chapter. I haven't got time. There's a lot more stuff there I could have brought to you. But I'd encourage you to read that chapter. It's amazing, full of great things. So that we can be productive and fruitful for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Send these moments. Say, Lord, today, I'm putting my stakes down. Sometimes we, we find ourselves in hostile environments. And when we find ourselves in a hostile environment, we'll be very glad that we hammered those stakes down. So nothing is going to move my tent when the struggles come. It's like a peg smashed into the ground and nothing's going to pull it out. Can you say amen? So let's just come in these moments today. Say, Lord, today, would you enlarge me? Would you stretch me? Would you strengthen me? God, I cry to you today. Enlarge me, stretch me, lengthen me, and strengthen me. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today that, that Lord, you've, you said that, that you called us that we would bear much fruit. Fruit for your glory. And I pray this morning for any of us this morning who feel unproductive, who feel we're not maybe bearing the fruit that we feel we should. I pray, God, right there, that in our hearts and our lives today, that we would enlarge, we would stretch, we would lengthen, we would strengthen. And, Lord, that you would build such an incredible pegs in our lives, Lord. Lord, that we would be so strong against every storm, against every attack of the evil one. For we know, Lord, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against 
all kinds of powers, principalities and powers. But Lord, thank you that you've won the victory. Thank you we stand on, on the victory of the cross today and all that Jesus did for us. And Lord, because of what you've done, thank you that we can be con- people that are continually bearing fruit and growing and deepening right now. And so, Lord, we give you praise, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. And Lord, we say today that we sing, Lord, even in our barrenness, Lord, we would sing today and bring you praise and give you glory to all the amazing and wonderful things you do in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.